want to talk tonight about principles for victory. I had another title for this message, and it was Tactics for War. But I was concerned that might scare some people off. So we'll call it Principles for Victory. Ultimately, as a born-again, blood-washed, Holy Ghost-filled believer, you are in a battle. The reality of the fact that you are in a battle is a reality that we need to catch and understand and realize, and we're not getting away from it, no matter how hard you try. Another really strong reality is if the enemy can get you complacent, he's already won. There's nothing the devil loves more than complacent Christians. There's nothing the devil loves more than unprepared Christians. Weak, full of fear, full of anxiety, still trying to get out of my own circle and no longer taking ground for the kingdom. I really love talking about kicking devil butt, which I think is why the dogs got an hour and 45 minutes of it. Because I have six points, and that's it, and I'll get out of the way. But I I stayed on point number one for like an hour. (laughs) So we'll just start with that. Point number one. (laughs) Tactics for war. Principles for victory. And I believe if we're all honest with ourselves, and we would apply these in our own lives. And please hear my heart tonight. Some of these truths might be... um, a little difficult to swallow but just know I'm preaching to myself amen Amen. and if nothing else I gleaned truth from this in preparing it and realized areas in my own life that I need to strengthen and do better at so that I can kick more devil butt I want to enlarge God's territory I'm about sick and tired of seeing him have rule and reign in our schools I want to enlarge God's territory. And he's placed me here at Oceans. This is my house. This is my DNA. And I want to see Oceans territory expand as well. There's too many lost souls. Vero Beach, Fort Pierce, Sebastian, Indian River County. For us to get complacent or to sit on the back burner or to stay in defense mode with our pads and our helmet on, just bracing for impact all the time. I want to play rugby with the devil. There's no pads in rugby. It's just full contact sport. Okay. All right. Point number one is submission. I know. Christian cuss word right out the gate. We need to get under authority. Any good soldier in any form of warfare understands delegated authority and understands the power of being under authority. Submission does not equal suppression. Submission actually is quite the opposite. The way up is only down. Unfortunately, 
this is a topic that gets wildly overlooked and people don't want to talk about it because it makes people uncomfortable. I'm hoping to change that this evening because if there's one thing I've learned in my life, sometimes the hard way, is that submission unlocks an anointing in your life. Submission will enlarge your territory. Submission will unlock a larger realm of authority to you as a Christian. Can we speak a little more spiritual tonight? It is a Saturday night service. In any other area of the world, we understand submission. In the military, in the political arena, in the business world, CEOs and huge companies and huge corporations, small-scale businesses. Look at Chick-fil-A. There is a difference between the lady who takes your order and the manager. There's a divine order. Why is it in the church we feel like we can just do what we want when we want and I can just completely disregard my senior pastor because I feel like I need the power for the hour? Somebody's got to help me. This, I know this isn't a nice one tonight, but you got to hear my heart because the only way that we're going to see the church really expanded is to catch this revelation. James 4 and 7 says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So yes, ultimately, submit to God as the highest standard in your life. And please hear my heart. I am in no way, shape, or form talking about manipulation or abuse of power. But we cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater because somebody did something bad 25 years ago. And we see the church held back from what God really wants to do inside of the body of Christ because we refuse to submit. You know, we love to say, God, give me more authority. God, expand my territory. Give me more authority. Give me more realm of authority. Give my voice more weight. The reality is this. To the level you have authority is to the level of your responsibility. Can I go a little deeper with that? Can I use you as an example, Alex, you and your precious daughter? You don't have to get up. I just, I'm going to pick on you and, and Natalia for a minute. Is that okay? Alex Davidson is an amazing father to amazing children. But as a father, he has a specific realm of authority over his children. Can somebody say amen? There's no denying that nobody's going to fight me on that. If daddy says it's time for bed, it's time for bed. If Atalia, his precious, how old is Tali? Five, four, three. Somewhere in the future. <laughs> if his precious three-year-old daughter grabs his truck keys on the way to the parking lot tonight and scratches your Porsche with his truck keys, Are you going to go to the three-year-old and say, little Italia, you need to pay to have my vehicle fixed, or is daddy responsible? Come on. Come on. To the level that you have authority is to the level that you are responsible. 
So we, we cry all the time. I want more authority. I want more authority. I want more. Enlarge my territory until something goes wrong. And then we point the finger and it's everybody else's fault but me. I'm the youth pastor at Oceans Unite Christian Center. That's why I'm bald. <laughs> you did this to me. I'm just kidding. I love you very much. If something goes wrong in the youth ministry, I cannot blame my youth leaders even if they were at fault because I am responsible even for their actions. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Are you understanding what I'm saying? So if I want authority and I want more authority, am I able to handle the responsibility that I have? Because if I can't handle the responsibility that is already on my shoulders, why would I cry out and beg God for more authority? I need to mature and build character and grow in the area that I'm at before I start asking God, please give me more. Careful what you ask. But when you submit, it unlocks so much for you. And when you submit to a leader and you learn to submit, you learn how to lead. Numbers 11, 16 through 17. Oh, I love this because it can't be debated. So the Lord said to Moses, gather me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand here with you. Then I will come down and I will talk with you there. And I will take of the spirit that is upon you. And I will put the same upon them that they shall bear the burden of the people that you may not bear it alone. We can't negate the fact that the 70 elders that got appointed were not the senior man. Moses was the senior man. God gave Moses the vision. God gave Moses the directive. And he said, I've enlarged the territory so large that it is becoming too much of a burden for you to carry on your own. Appoint certain people in positions so that they can help carry the burden with you. But they had to submit to that leadership. Can I tell you that through that submission, the Bible says in verse 25, just a few verses later, that when the spirit rested upon them, those 70 elders also prophesied as Moses prophesied. There is an anointing that is available for those who are willing to submit. Don't submit to me. I'm a nobody. But we do have a senior pastor. And I tell you right now, as God is my witness, I love the... God, let me have the same spirit that is upon my spiritual father. Let me prophesy with that same DNA. Let me flow and move in the same gifts and the same anointing. Understand, I realize we all have gifts as well. I'm not ignorant to the fact that there is a call upon my own life. But if God put it in him and it all comes from him anyways, 
and he's departed it into him and I understand divine order in the church oh I want to be connected to that and yes I will submit everybody okay all right that might have been the worst one I lied there's one more oh okay I got five more points in 15 minutes point number two passion passion tactics for war passion we got to get on fire for the cause you have to get on fire you have to burn with passion for the vision be inspired with the vision be inspired with the cause if you don't believe in the cause what is the cause to bring the fire of God to the city and nation by teaching and demonstrating his love and power if that's not your vision I, I beseech thee brethren get it in your spirit get plugged into the DNA get plugged into the church and know that that is your vision as well but be be sold out to it watch this and please excuse the crudeness of this but it is the word it'll make more sense in a second my wife joked and said, reference it. Don't actually read it. <laughs> Jeremiah 2.24, a wild donkey used to the wilderness that sniffs at the wind in her desire, in her time of mating. Who can turn her away? All those seek her will not weary themselves. In her month, they will find her. Excuse the crudeness of it. But has anybody ever been around a dog that's in heat? Listen, I've seen a chihuahua tear through chain link fence. You know what I'm saying? Little tiny fella, do things that you would never thought humanly possible. Rip shingles off of a roof, scale a six foot fence. Little fella ain't but eight inches tall and he done jumped seven feet in the air. When there's a desire inside of you to get something. I'm speaking spiritual, come on, stay with me, please. When there's a deep burning passion inside of you to see the kingdom of God expanded, to see the fire of God hit Vero Beach, to see our schools saved, that passion will cause you to do things that you never thought you could do. That passion will instill a boldness in you to speak in ways you never thought you could speak. Understand that passion is like nitrous in your tank. See, you was already going fast. And then you hit the little red button, and now you're going way faster. And the enemy, your opponent, is looking over and thinks, I got him. And all of a sudden, you hit the little button, and you go right on past him. And he sits there in the dust and goes, how in the world? Is it earthly possible that they just did what they just did? That is what passion will do for you. But you've got to get sold out to the cause. You've got to get sold out to the vision. Okay, moving along. Point number three is discipline. I promised you there was one more. But these are real. And we got to get this. we got to get this. We cannot be afraid and get up at arms and turn away from these specific topics in the Bible because it, do, it makes us feel uncomfortable. But un, unfortunately, being uncomfortable is part of growing. And I say that because I'm preaching to myself. Can you just hear my heart in that? But discipline. We need to be prepared for war. We have been given all the tools that we need to be successful as a warrior in God's army. 
But in order for us to be skilled with those tools and that armory, we must be first disciplined and training with them. Discipline, spiritual disciplines, and submission go hand in hand, believe it or not. Let me try to paint the picture like this. If I went to Alex and said, Alex, I need you to build a house. And in six months, you need to build this house. You have two options to make at that point. You can sit around and go through life day to day as your normal function and just blase and eventually the house will get built and things and blah, blah, blah. Or you could spend the next six months preparing to learn how to build a house. Six months goes by, the materials get dropped off, the tools get dropped off, and then, and then one of two things happens. Either you have prepared, you've been disciplined in your time of training, and now you're ready to go. Now you're ready to build a house. Now you're ready. You know how to use a chop saw. You know how to use your nail gun. You know how to use lay concrete and plumbing and blah, 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 and fill in the blanks. Or in six months you go, oh, man, I should have studied more. Now, I'll, I'll be an intern in six months. I need more of the word in me. I can't preach. I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not prepared. Oh, you want me to pray? You want me to close in prayer at you group? No, 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 no. Ask the guy next to me. I, I don't sound spiritual enough. <laughs> prepared. We need to be disciplined. All of us, not just the pastors, not just the pastoral staff, not just the U group leaders, all of us, we need to be prepared for battle in every area of our life. You get put in a position to potentially pray for somebody at Publix and you chicken out because you don't feel prepared enough. I love, listen, I'm so thankful for our pastor. And this message has just poured this into me because there's one thing that our pastor has instilled into the staff here at Oceans. And if you've been here for any length of time, you know, is be prepared in season and out of season. Because here's the deal. Let me use the same illustration. It's one thing to know that you have to build a house in six months. It's another thing to come home and a tornado ripped your house apart and now you're sitting there going, man, I wish I knew how to build a house. See, it's real easy be, to be prepared when you've given time to prepare. It's a whole nother ball game when crisis is hit and now you just gotta step up to the plate and be who God has called you to be. Am I talking to anybody? See, the difference in being a spiritual warrior is being prepared in season and out of season. That means in a time of crisis, you are not a burden to the ministry. You're an asset to the ministry. Is anybody with me tonight? Oh, no, I don't need time to get prepared. I'm ready. I came with a word in my back pocket. I came with a prayer in my spirit. I came with a scripture on my mind. I got a prophecy on my lips. I'm ready. Tag me in, coach. Tag me in, coach. In season and out of season. We gotta be a body that is disciplined in the art of war. And when the enemy comes to your kids, you don't go, ah, maybe I'll open the word. Maybe I'll figure out what to tell them. No, 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 you just speak the word. You just give it to them right then and there. Why? Because you're prepared. In season and out of season. 
and you would be a make listen if I want six pack abs and I don't <laughs> but if I want them I need to go to the gym and I need to diet and I want to let you know crunches and eating salads hurts can I share some spiritual truth with you? Unfortunately, shundai, shundai, and shake and bake on the floor isn't every time we get to pray. Sometimes we go through seasons where we get up in the morning at 4 o'clock and I don't feel like it and fifth cup of coffee and my eyes are getting held open with toothpicks, but I'm still going to... God, I don't feel like praying. Oh, I don't feel like getting in the Word tonight. You know, the kids was late getting out of school. We only got the chicken pulled out of the rotisserie at 10 o'clock. It's late. The dogs are already sleeping. I'll get in the Word tomorrow. Well, tomorrow turns into next month. Is anybody with me? Listen, if we're going to be a body of warriors, it's, it's beyond just a one-man show. We need the one man to lead us and guide us and keep us on the right path. But it's bigger than just one person. That means all of us got to get disciplined. That means all of us got to get anointed. That means all of us have got to walk in this. Be prepared for the fight at all times. I don't have time to prepare when crisis hits. I need to know how to build the house when the tornado just pops out of nowhere. How many times have you heard somebody say, oh, no, I'll do, you know, I don't, I don't know the word well enough. Right. I get young people all the time. Now, to be fair, it's a little justified when a seven-year-old says, Pastor Mike, I don't know the word well enough. <laughs> I wouldn't have known it well enough either at eight years old. So a little bit justified. But how many times have you heard it from somebody who's been a Christian for 15 years? Yep. Yep. I felt that up here. Do you hear my heart? Yeah. We got to get disciplined. Amen. Vision. Point number four. If you believe you can win, if you can see that you can win, you've already got the victory. But the problem is one of the greatest tactics of the enemy is to intimidate and to make you feel like you're smaller than you really are. 2 Kings 6, 18 through 14 says, Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And a servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? I'm only seeing all the problems around us, and I, I can't seem to see past my situation. I can't seem to see past all of the stuff around me and so he answered do not fear for those who are with us are far more than those who are with them and Elisha prayed and said Lord I pray open his eyes that he may see and then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha vision is so critical for the warrior because when you're in the fight and you feel real small and you feel real defeated you need to be like Gideon when the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said Gideon you mighty man of valor get on up out of that wine press and go do what I've called you to do 
you've got to be able to see past your situation and past your circumstance. Ask God, Lord, open my eyes that I would stop seeing carnally and stop seeing in my flesh and start seeing in the spirit and realize, did you know the devil only took a third of the angels? I'm not real good at math, but that means there's two-thirds on the other side. Not to mention God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, which we have access to. We're on the winning team. But we got to see it. And if you can see it, oh, you better know you can believe it. Don't be intimidated by the enemy. It's hard when you're in it. Don't be intimidated by him. Point number five is power. Know your weapons. Know your weaponry. This kind of goes hand in hand with being disciplined. Oh. Oh. As Christians, we have armory, the armor of God. And our pastor has done amazing teachings on that to get us equipped as the body of Christ and what the armor of God is, what it looks like, and how it's used. But if I was to hand you a rifle and a pistol to protect yourself naturally, and you've never shot a firearm a day in your life, ever, you don't know the barrel from the stock. First of all, it could be very dangerous for you. I'm speaking spiritual. Secondly, in your time of crisis and in your time of need, the very thing that you need to help protect you is quite useless if you don't know how to use it. See, you guys know what an airstrike is? Like when they call in the airstrike? And the plane flies over and they drop the bomb. Zzz, bombs. Bombs away. If you call in the airstrike to the wrong place, or you call it in at the wrong time, how many of you know that airstrike was a waste of time? See, we got to get skilled in our weaponry. We got to know the armor of God inside and out. We got to understand all aspects of it, how to utilize it, how to use it. What good is a rifle in your cabinet if you don't know how to shoot? What good is a shovel in my, my shed if I don't know how to use? Hey, listen, if you don't know how to use a shovel, come see me. As Captain Dave says, we'll learn you. <laughs> but you understand, what good is a tool? What good is a resource if we don't know how to use it? Amen. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. And for time's sake, I'm going to read from 14. It says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always. I'm going to say it again, praying always, praying always, praying always, with all prayer and all supplication in the This is why it took so long to preach to the dogs, because then I went into tongues. This was my point for the dogs. 
I, like I gave them E2 right then and there. I now know. I got it. In the spirit, being watchful. Oh, we could spend the next four hours on being watchful. We need some, some people on the tower. We need some people on the wall. I'm talking spiritual snipers that are dialed in with their equipment. They're dialed in with their firearms. They know exactly what to do and how to do, and they watch the enemy from a long ways off, and they say, yeah, 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 I see you coming. I got an Issachar anointing on my life. I see you coming. I know the time. I know the hour. I know the season. Devil, you better watch out. You think you got me? You think you got fiery darts? Watch this lance of intercession hit you right between the eyes. I've been taught how to pray. I've been taught how to stand on the tower. I've been taught how to be a watchman. You don't touch my church. You don't touch my congregation. You don't touch my pastor. And I say mine not because it's mine and ownership, but I'm a part of the baby, the, the body. So his vision is my vision. My DNA is the same. Please don't misunderstand me on that. My DNA is the same. This is my church. And I'll pray for this church like it's the last thing that I've got. You don't touch the people here, devil. You don't touch this house. You don't touch our pastors. Praying always with all prayer in the spirit. Listen, please don't miss tomorrow because I'm going to talk about the hedge and, and, and the, the tower. And, okay, all right. Listen, we got to be a, a prayerful people. We got to be a people that believe in prayer. Listen, prayer is what changed my life. Getting saved was a reality and a, a culture shock for me in and of itself. But as far as getting the junk out of my life and becoming dangerous to the devil, prayer is what did it. I've said it before. I don't care who knows my name, but the devil had better know my name. And you know what? That doesn't happen on this pulpit. It happens in my room. Being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We gotta be a body that, you know, I say it to the youth all the time. Don't just talk about it, be about it. Be about it. I don't want to hear about what you think we should do. Let's just do it. Can I tell you, I was so blessed. I have a youth group that, that takes place at my house. I use my house as a host home for the youth. And I came home. I was a little late the other day. And we get, we get home, and we kind of come through the shop. And as I'm coming through the shop, that, there's like a big, there's a bay window. And that's where they, ha- they hold youth group in that room right there. And it's at the front of my house. And I'm walking up to the house. And all I can hear as I'm walking up the door some song, I have no idea what the song was, but my windows were going. <laughs> and tongues screaming out of my living room from teenagers praying for God to move in the U-groups. And no, I didn't ask them 
No, I didn't offer them a $20 Chick-fil-A gift card if they would hold a prayer meeting. They did it on their own because they're desperate, they're hungry, they're passionate, and they're disciplined. As the body of Christ, we got to be, and I know everybody else is doing it too. I'm just using the example because I saw it and I was home the other day and I was at my house. Is that okay? I'm not picking on anybody else. I know the adults are doing it too. Hear my heart. My last point, and then I'm out of here tonight, is excellence. We got to go to the next level. Our military, like many militaries all over the world, send trainees to boot camp. In boot camp, they are trained, they are pushed, they are stretched. They're stretched. And in the body, we, we like to cry ministerial abuse for such simple things. But organizations all over the world demand excellence. My king is worth the best. In every aspect, in every area of my life, he deserves the best of the prayer that I can give him. And my best and your best and pastor's best, it all looks different, but he's worthy of the best. He is worthy of our excellence. He is worthy of our time. In the military, they are drilled. Their dress attire needs to be in order. Their bunks must be made. Their sheets pressed, folded. The army, I'm not sure about many of the other branches, but our army has a, a military and a whole center at Fort Benning called the Army's Maneuver Center of Excellence. In basic training, they train from 0400 to 2200. That's 4 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. And I heard an interview preparing for this message, me -me -me message <laughs> where I heard a sergeant say this phrase, and I quote, some days are longer than other. But our soldiers don't train to time. Amen. They train to standard. Which means this, that they don't train until 10 o'clock and clock out. That means they train until the job is done. That means regardless of how I feel. That means regardless of how painful it is. I'm going to push until every unsaved person in Vero Beach is a part of the body of Christ. I'm going to push until everything is done with the utmost excellence that I can provide until I'm dead and gone. Preachers don't retire. They die. We don't train to time. We train to standard businesses and CEOs and political arenas and 
huge things all over the world get this right. But in the church, we want to be slack. My God is worth so much more than that. My King is worth my excellence. Hear my heart. I'm not talking about abuse. If you're tired, take a vacation. Our pastor does. Follow his example. It's a good example. But there are seasons where we got to dig our boots in the mud and say, you know what? I know I'm tired. I know I'm wore out. I know it's been a long week, but God, you're worthy of the excellence. I am going to make sure the chairs are straight. I am going to make sure the AC is down. I am going to make sure the lights aren't flickering. But he's worthy of our excellence. Why does the world look to the world for the standard of excellence? I want to say this yet again. The world should be looking to the church for the standard of excellence. CEOs and business executives should be going to local pastors to say, how do you train your people? How do you train your ministerial staff? How do you train your pastors? Because you got it right with them. I need to implement that. Could you imagine if our businesses had the word of God leading them instead of some guy's good idea? Our military should be going to local pastors saying, you got it right there. I need it right here. Do you hear my heart in this? We got to get prepared for war. And I know nobody at Oceans is thinking this because we're on fire here. But if for whatever reason, the thought is crossing your mind. That's a lot of work. There's a lot of stuff. That's some heavy stuff. Just to see the kingdom of God expanded. I ask you very politely and with as much love as a brother as I can to please just take a look at your heart if that thought is running through your mind. Because eternity is a really, really long time. And it doesn't matter how much money you make here on this earth. It doesn't matter how much property you own here on this earth. Or how great you are here on this earth. It's a blink of an eye compared to eternity. And it takes all of us. I don't want to pass the buck on to somebody else to carry this burden. I want to carry that burden. I want to be an asset to the kingdom of God. I do not want to stand before our king and him look me in the face and say, why did you do X, Y, and Z? I don't want to stand there and say, God, I wasted years for my own selfish reasons because I wanted to be great for me. I wanted to build my platform. I didn't want to submit. I didn't want to listen. I don't want to be that guy. And I beseech you, family, church, take this word. Run with it. Search deep 
and see what God will do. Because I promise he will use you. Let's take ground for the kingdom. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for the house that you have put us in. I thank you, Father, for our pastors. Even right now, here in this moment, in agreement with my brothers and sisters here tonight, Father, we pray a hedge of protection around our pastors, that you would protect the shepherd of this house, that they would not be smote in Jesus' name, God, that you would hide them from the enemy. We strike down every negative word, every curse, every bit of murmuring that's taking place in the behind the scenes. God, we strike it down right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would extend their territory in Jesus' name and that you would put a spirit of increase upon them. And Father, as you put it upon them, I know, Lord, it flows down to us. So, God, do it so that we would see your kingdom expanded here in Vero Beach, here in the Indian River County. We love you, Father. We give you the praise, honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed and said, amen, amen and amen.